This is the Wikipedia page for Bloodfall. Bloodfalls. Welcome to Wikilisten, the podcast where we read Wikipedia pages and provide commentary. I'm Rachel Teichman, LMSW. And I'm Victor Bernardo, KSN, reminding everybody to subscribe because this podcast is fantastic. Not only that, but if you don't subscribe, you might end up at Blood Falls. Yeah, you might end up at Blood Falls, which we're going to talk about. Is yeah. it dangerous? I don't even know. I don't either. I just know that I'm looking at this picture of Blood Falls right now, and it looks like a glacier is bleeding. Mm-hmm. Blood Falls. Blood Falls is an outflow of an iron oxide tainted plume of salt water flowing from the tongue of Taylor Glacier onto the ice covered surface of West Lake Bonnie in the Taylor Valley of the McMurdo Dry Valleys in Victoria Land, East Antarctica. Wow, that was a really long title of a location. So, iron rich, hypersaline water sporadically emerges from small fissures in the ice cascades. The saltwater source is a subglacial pool of unknown size, overlain by about 400 meters, 1,300 feet of ice several kilometers from its tiny outlet at Blood Falls. The reddish deposit was found in 1911 by the Australian geologist Griffith Taylor, who first explored the valley that bears his name. The Antarctica pioneers first attributed the red color to red algae, but later it was proven to be due to iron oxides. Okay, I understand that they figured out that it was iron oxide and before thought it was red algae. But I wonder what prehistoric people thought when they were just like, the earth is bleeding. I wonder if... I don't know that there were people on Antarctica. I don't know either, you know, because I actually don't know the history and evolution and like where people were very well at all i have no idea but in my mind there's a cartoon caveman who's running by and he's like oh my god look it's red it's blood it's my life dream to go to pangea it's my life dream for you to go to pangea geochemistry poorly soluble hydrospheric oxides are deposited at the surface of ice after the ferrous ions present in the unfrozen salt water are oxidized in contact with atmospheric oxygen. Yeah, the more soluble ferrous ions initially are dissolved in old seawater trapped in an ancient pocket remaining from the Antarctic Ocean when a fjord was isolated by the glacier in its progression during the Miocene period. Some 5 million years ago when the sea level was higher than today. That was one sentence. Sure was. Unlike most Antarctic glaciers, the Taylor Glacier is not frozen to the bedrock, probably because of the presence of salts concentrated by the crystallization of the ancient seawater imprisoned below it. Salt cryoconcentration occurred in the deep, relict seawater when pure ice crystallized and expelled its dissolved salts as it cooled down because of the heat exchange of the captive liquid seawater with the enormous ice mass of the glacier. As a consequence, the trapped seawater was concentrated in brines with a salinity two to three times that of the mean ocean water. A second mechanism sometimes also explaining the formation of hypersaline brines is the water evaporation of surface lakes directly exposed 
to the very dry polar atmosphere in the McMurdo Dry Valleys. The analyses of stable isotopes of water allow, in principle, to distinguish between both processes as long as there is no mixing between differently formed brines. This article is almost comically written in yeah. just like just ridiculous terminology from probably biologists or limnologists. No, limnology is a study of lakes, so that's not quite this. Hypersaline fluid sampled fortuitously through a crack in the ice was oxygen-free and rich in sulfate and ferrous ion. Sulfate is a remnant geochemical signature of marine conditions while soluble divalent iron likely was liberated under reducing conditions from the subglacial bedrock minerals weathered by microbial activity. This is incredible. Reading this article, it just... I feel like I am not even speaking English. I was going to say reading this article is almost more difficult than when we're trying to read other languages. <laughs> it is. Anyway, wiki listeners, please support us by listening to this message. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to that message. We really appreciate it here at Wikilisten, where we're good readers, sort of. We're great readers. Are we? Yes. Microbial ecosystem. Chemical and microbial analyses both indicate that a rare subglacial ecosystem of autotrophic bacteria developed that metabolizes sulfate and ferric ions. According to the geomicrobiologist Jill McCuckey at... <laughs> Jill McCuckey. Yep. Hello, I'm Jill McCuckey. At the University of Tennessee... Water samples from Blood Falls contained at least 17 different types of microbes and almost no oxygen. An explanation may be that the microbes used sulfate to respire with ferric ions and metabolize the trace levels of organic matter trapped with them. Such a metabolic process had never been observed in nature. A puzzling observation is the coexistence of Fe2+, I believe that is iron, yeah. and SO, sulfur oxygen, uh, 2 dash with a 4 on the bottom. It's a chemical thing. I don't know exactly know how to describe it. Ions under anoxic conditions. No, no sulfide anions, HS negative, are found in the system. This suggests an intricate and poorly understood interaction between the sulfur and the iron biochemical cycles. In December 2014, scientists and engineers led by McCuckey returned to Taylor Glacier and used a probe called Ice Mole, designed by a German collaboration to melt into the glacier and directly sample the salty water, brine, that feeds Blood Falls. Ice Mole has its own page. It does. I think I want to read it at some point. I do too. Samples were analyzed and revealed a cold negative 7 degrees Celsius iron rich 3.4 mm subglacial brine 8% NaCl. From these samples, scientists isolated and characterized a type of bacteria capable of growing in salty water, halophilic, that thrives in the cold, psychrophile, and is heterotrophic which they assigned to the genus Marinobacter DNA bioinformatic analysis indicated the presence of at least 
four gene clusters involved in secondary metabolism. Two gene clusters are related to the production of aryl polyenes, which function as antioxidants that protect the bacteria from reactive oxygen species. Another gene cluster seems to be involved in temperature. <laughs> I just, I, this, I just, this just sounds like nonsense to me. And I know it means stuff. And I know if I slowed down, I would get it. Maybe. Yeah, like but... I'm sort of half following it. <laughs> Another gene cluster seems to be involved in terpene biosynthesis, most likely to produce pigments. Other bacteria identified are Thiomicrospira, SP, and Desulfocapsa, SP. Implications for the snowball earth hypothesis. Oh, I'm Great. excited for this. I hope we can understand it. Yeah, same. According to McCuckey et al., 2009, the now inaccessible subglacial pool was sealed off one and a half to two million years ago and transformed into a kind of time capsule, isolating the ancient microbial population for a sufficiently long time to evolve independently of other similar marine organisms. It explains how other microorganisms could have survived when the Earth, according to the Snowball Earth hypothesis, was entirely frozen over. So that's pretty cool. Right, so Snowball Earth is just a time when the Earth was totally frozen over. And it has its own page we should read too, I think. I think so too. I mean, it's called Snowball Earth. How can we not? It's so cute. Ice-covered oceans might have been the only refugia for microbial ecosystems when the Earth apparently was covered by glaciers at tropical latitudes during the Protozoic Eon about 650 to 750 million years ago. Implications for Astrobiology This unusual place offers scientists a unique opportunity to study deep subsurface microbial life in extreme conditions without the need to drill deep boreholes in the polar ice cap, with the associated contamination risk of a fragile and still intact environment. The study of harsh environments on Earth is useful to understand the range of conditions to which life can adapt and to advance assessment of the possibility of life elsewhere in the solar system in places such as Mars or Europa, an ice-covered moon of Jupiter. Scientists of the NASA Astrobiology Institute speculate that these worlds could contain subglacial liquid water environments favorable to hosting elementary forms of life, which would be better protected at depth from ultraviolet and cosmic radiation than on the surface. Hell yeah, cosmic radiation. Um, so, Blood Falls, I feel like I know very little about it after reading this article to completion. Well, here's what I know about it. I need to go there. Right. The, what I did get, though, I did get that the red water comes from a cavern or a subglacial area underneath that has stored microorganisms since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. And so now they're coming up red. Because of oxygen and iron. Yes, because of oxygen and iron, because they were trapped and they since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty right. cool. This has been the Wikipedia page for 
Blood Falls. Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. You can find us at wikilisten.com and on all social media at Wikilisten, except for Twitter, which is at wiki underscore listen. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button. If there's a Wikipedia page you'd like us to read, please let us know. We'll read it. <laughs>